is up, Fantasy Fam? We're taking a few days off to watch some baseball and the NFL Combine because that's been entertaining as, as well. But here we are back again today. We are discussing taxi squads, some dynasty young studs, some prospects, guys who might reach the majors this year, might not. But maybe, depending on your league, they might be people that you build your future with. And to me, that's the most exciting part is thinking about the future and thinking about you know that some of the players you might be that might be on your horizon this year and going forward. Exciting stuff. Yeah, it's, it's riveting. Super riveting. I'm not in any dynasties, but I wish I was, actually, for baseball. Um, I used to be in one, and that's the thing, is you have to give a lot of attention to it, because even when you're not playing... A lot. Um, because for football for football purposes, fantasy football, even when you're in a dynasty, you take a lot of time off. You, you, you can watch the combine, and then you do your drafts, and it's really not anything you know crazy. But for baseball, not only is the season from... You know, March or April till October, or September, October. But then you start to think about taxi squads. You start to think about your drafts. You start mm-hmm. to think of it's, you know, your league rules and everything. It's it's a lot of work when it comes to dynasties. So what we're going to discuss is, you know, there's so many different league formats. There's keeper leagues. There's some specialized keeper leagues. There's dynasty leagues, which have things like taxi squads, which we'll get into later. Um, but it's there's a lot of ways to look at prospects and look at the young guys who you might be able to build your team around. And just like with fantasy football, we have to determine how much youth do you want to build when you're doing a you know a brand new dynasty league. How, you know, is it worth taking a shot on someone that might be not be in the majors for a few years, or do you want to build with guys who are going to be in the majors by this year? And that's what we're going to go through in this episode. We are unfortunately without our uh, our elder, as he is uh, our eldest cousin here, because he is unfortunately um, been. Gotta work. Been given the sh- yeah, I've been given the unfortunate, uh, you know, it happens. that you have to work yeah. some overtime. But so it's it's me and you. What are you gonna we're do? Gonna, what we're gonna we're gonna tear this one up. That's right. <laughs> um, so a lot of news. Obviously, we're not gonna get to too much because when it comes to baseball, uh, there is just uh, it's just impossible to keep up with all the, the spring training games being played and some of the news that's been going on. But we'll touch on some few big ones. Um, the first one is Ian Happ. Ian Happ of the Cubs is tearing it up. Okay, he has he is going to be the MVP without a doubt of the spring training league. That being said, where does he fit in? Yeah, and that's true. That, to me, that's the to me that's the biggest piece of news is he's having this fantastic. I mean, he he was great last year, put up twenty plus home runs. You know, he strikes out a lot. That's we'll give him that. But you know, he he has a he has power. Okay, that being said, he has to deal with Addison Russell short. He has to deal with, you know, Javi Baez at second. He has, you know, people like Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist, yep. You know, Kyle Schwarber has been, you know, losing pounds and hitting home runs. So it's it's going to be a, a you know, I'll, um, I'll more, I'll, who's the center fielder? Um, Alcantara, right? Right, is his name? Alcantara or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever. It's a good problem to have for the Cubs. And he's very young, too. It's a great problem to have for the Cubs. It's bad for fantasy owners because of course. you want to, you, wanna, you know, see is this exciting. It's also kind of alarming because you want him, but you don't want to pay the price. Exactly. Uh, for a guy that might be playing 130 games, but 125 games. As we all know, injuries happen. I mean, it's inevitable. Stuff happens. Trades. It opens the door for everyone. So. No, I agree. But I mean, spring training, I don't know. I'm a, I am a believer, but slightly not. Because we have seen some players perform insanely well in spring training, and then come start of the season, they just fall on their face. 
Right, we've seen that though in the beginning of the yeah. season too, like when the season first starts. Remember True. Thing? True. Chris, uh, Chris Shelton. Remember Chris Shelton at the Tigers. Chris Shelton, see, so, I, I don't remember. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Shelton. This was probably 10, 12 years ago. Chris Shelton started the first like ten games. He put up like nine home runs, and everyone went nuts, just saying, "How many home runs is he going to hit? 35, 45, 50. He hit like thirteen. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's True. spring training's great and all, but there's a lot of scrubs, a lot of young guys. So it's you have to take it with a grain of salt. But that being said, Ian Happ is definitely someone that I have on my radar. And after the start to his uh, his spring training, I think it's going to get even higher for me. Um, some other quick ones: Ichiro could potentially be returning to Seattle, Ooh. where he spent the bulk of his career, one of the greatest careers of the last fifty years, um, amassing two hundred hits an unbelievable amount of times. Like 12, 13 seasons in a row, I think, or something like that? Yeah, won the rookie of the year and the MVP in the same season. He's got 10, I think he's got, what, 10 gold gloves? It's one of the (laughs) the best players of all time. Hands down. If you combine his his stats in Japan and his stats in the U.S., when it comes to hits, he would actually be the hit king over Pete Rose. Without a doubt. So it'll be fun to see him finish his career, if possible, um, if these if these rumors swirling around are true, that he could be returning to Seattle. He does want to play till he's fifty, so that's like another like what six years, seven years. <laughs> he could be he could play he could be playing well beyond that. Right. He he's in great shape. He he's hitting is obviously taking a you know a downturn. Of course, but it's Ichiro. But uh, it's the fact that he could finish his career where he started is incredible. Yeah. Me. So that's another piece of news that I thought was worthy of sharing, and the last one is really not so much news as it is perplexing is the fact that we still have you know it is what is it march 5th and there's still a lot of free agents a plethora of free agents who have not signed Mm -hmm. and we're talking pitchers who need to be able to work with their catchers top pitchers pitchers too with their pitchers you know we have jake arietta alex cobb lance lynn you have jonathan lucroy who's a catcher who has to learn his pitchers i mean not that he's you know i i think jonathan lucroy is an average player but that being said you still have mike moustakis out there yep i mean it's it's unbelievable that this is still, you know, it's it's March fifth, and there's still people who are waiting to be signed. It's gonna so. take. It's, it's still gonna be a little bit. I mean, yeah. I mean, Greg Holland, Carlos Gonzalez, and other guys that we've talked about before. That you know, where do they end up? And at this point, honestly, anywhere would be fine because anywhere is better than nothing. Exactly. You know, these, uh, exactly. Some of these guys are in some drafts. People who are drafting now, some of these guys are, are going in those t- first ten rounds. I mean, Mike Moustakis. What team are they on? Exactly. <laughs> Mike Moustakis has the talent to, you know, be a top, you know, ten round pick, and you can't draft him if you don't know where he's going. Exactly. Exactly. Your hope is that he signs somewhere, but you know, well, who knows at this point? We shall see. Yes. So that is our little bit of our news of the day. Um, not a ton going on in terms of big name guys. They're really just immersing themselves in spring training, and you know. As, as some news develops, whether it's free agents signing on with new teams or big you know big players having great games or anybody, God forbid, going down, we will have that discussion. Um, I will point out, though, that Matt Harvey had a fantastic outing today. Oh, I Lord. Mean, just, I'm not getting ahead of myself. Three, <laughs> three fantastic innings. And if you can string together three innings in a row where he looks good, I'll take it. So, on that note, we will pivot to our main topic of the day, which is prospects. Dynasty studs, taxi squad guys, people we either want to build our dynasties around or we want to, you know, add on to our teams to, you know, build up their roster. Keep them on your minor league spot. Yes. So that's the difference. So here we'll start a discussion with what the difference is. Okay. 
So for a redraft league, there are some leagues that don't have any minor league spots. There are some that have one or two spots. Okay, And in those instances, having a, you know, a minor league section of your team gives you the ability to draft and stash. And what this means is that, you know, say you have a guy out there you love who might be, there's a very slim chance, you know, like Brendan Rodgers, the shortstop from Colorado who is having a great spring, or Eloy Jimenez, um, the outfielder from the White Sox who's having, you know, who is the possibility of being a fantastic um, hitter in the major leagues. But guys who might not see the majors in 2018. Exactly, exactly. There's a very good chance that they don't see the majors. What do we do with them? Well, say you want to take the last round, you know, you're you know, a 25-30 round draft. You want to take a shot on one of them. You pick them up in the 27th round when all your positions are filled and you want to take a shot on, you know, a, a Eli Jimenez. So in some teams, depending on how your league is set up, you have a one or two position for minor league uh, people to stitch. And this has worked wonders for some people. Anybody who drafted Cody Bellinger and sat them in that minor league spot last year... Oh. Unbelievable. Sit in prejudice. Right. And then there are ones where it's keeper leagues. So, for example, if you have a keeper league where you can keep your whatever pick and that's the pick you lose in the upcoming uh, year, well, why not take, you know, uh, I'm trying to throw somebody out there, Um, a Michael Kopik, uh, you know, the pitcher from the White Sox. Yep. Or a... You know, a Victor Robles or well, Victor Robles or is a even a Honeywell, even a Brett Honeywell. Yeah. Pick him in the Honeywell's last pick. Perfect, yeah, perfect yeah. example. Brett Honeywell, um, uh, Mateo from Oakland. Um, yep. I'm trying to think of some uh, Kingery from Philly, uh, the shortstop Kingery from Philly. These are guys that you know. There's a chance they play this year, but there's also a chance that they don't. Probably not exactly. So for keeper league purposes, a great way to go about this is saying, "Hey, my we are a 28 round draft with my 28th round pick. Why not draft?" A player like, you know, Willie Adams from Tampa Bay or Michael Kopik, the pitcher from the White Sox. And if they don't play, they don't play. But you stash them. And if if you can, play. if you right. definitely have that roster spot. We don't want you to go out and waste a spot, you know. But that's the thing, though. Even if, even if you have to. Even if you have, you know, if you have, if you have a bench that's ten players, if I can stash a guy who oh, throws 100, 104 miles per hour, it's worth who's it. going to be in the major leagues by twenty nineteen, at you know, at the latest, it's worth it. It's worth just keeping that bench spot open for a guy that you can keep at your twenty eighth round spot, who could be an ace in the next year or so. So that's the way you have to look at these guys. And then the last example is taxi squads. Taxi squads are kind of foreign to some people. Taxi squads are predominantly for dynasty leagues. And these are people who have had the dynasty league for years and years and years. And a taxi squad is a draft just like a, uh, like a rookie draft for uh, NFL uh, dynasty teams, where it's everybody who's just been drafted, everybody just been drafted to their NFL teams. You go into a five round, you know, a six round thing and you can trade those picks and, or you can select people that rookies have just been, that have just been drafted. So the way this works is that it's a taxi squad is usually a five or six player um, team that you go into a draft and you you can trade around your picks or you can keep them. And the more picks I look at this is the more picks you can accumulate of taxi squad players, the better, because they're just going to sit on your taxi squad for until you bring them up to the major leagues. Exactly. Like your own like your own managing managing your own baseball team. Right, exactly. So you can 
so you look at it as, hey, this is my minor league squad. I'm going to try to accumulate as many picks as possible. And especially for teams that are not so great, it's better off trading off your good assets and building for the future. So that's what Taxi Squads allows you to do. It allows you to accumulate picks, go into a, you know, a, basically a rookie slash minor league uh, type draft, and you're, you're planning for your future. So this is where you're going to want to get guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. I, I was mean, just looking get- at him. Right. You're going to want to get guys who might be a little bit further down the road in terms of their their time frame in the MLB. Um, but this worked out great for people who, you know, who drafted Cody Bellinger a few years ago and let them sit on their taxi squad. Exactly. Now he's their starting first baseman. So those are the th- three or four different types of, of drafts when it comes to um, dynasty, comes to prospects, comes to young guys. It's very complex in some ways, but... It's more fun that way. It's more. It's. It gives you hope that you know if I can draft some young guys and stash them on my bench, then I can have a future. And the, know, it, it, yeah. and the cool thing about it is it it's more it's more in depth with baseball than it is for football, which I really love. Because you could you could literally draft this guy like I mean obviously he's one of the best prospects in baseball right now, but Vlad Guerrero reincarnated. Right. I mean the guy he's his son is he's only 19 years old and he is. You could say that he is by far like an argument for like the best prospect in baseball right now. He's yeah. he's that good, but he's not going to play at all this year. If he no. does, I mean, then it's just they're literally bringing him up just to give him experience, but it's not right. going to happen. Right. So he's a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. who Ooh, is just stud. excelling. Yeah, these guys who are just going to be very good players someday in the MLB. That you you know, there's a very good chance that they won't be drafted for a while. And sometimes taxi squads can change. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll use my, my hometown one. It's Ahmad Rosario. A few years ago, three or four years ago, Ahmad Rosario wasn't really a top 10 prospect, a top 15 prospect. Exactly. So it took him to, you know, so he wasn't drafted in a lot of taxi squads until maybe two years ago. Two or three years, yeah, let's say two years ago. So he might have been a minor league player for a while, but he wasn't in this limelight as a top prospect until about a year and a half ago, two years ago. So when people did their last taxi squad... They were able to pick up pick up somebody like him because they're saying, "Wow, I'm going to get great value on him." You know, he's going to be in the major leagues quite soon too. You know, oh yeah. So that's yeah, it's a perfect example. So what we're going to go through now is we're going to go through some prospects that we see on the horizon, whether it's 2018, whether it's you know 2019 and going forward. But a bulk of ours is going to be preparing you for these you know these these young guys who are going to see the field at some point this year. And the best one to start with is the number one prospect. It's Ronald Acuna. Ooh, stud. Most people will say Shohei Otani. I mean, Otani, he's not... You can't even consider him a prospect. It doesn't uh, matter. He's technically in, in whether it's... True, a, true, because he is a, a rookie. Redraft, yeah. Right? Whether it's a redraft, whether it's a... Um, you know, a dynasty or a keeper league. Well, keeper league wouldn't really work as well in this. Well, I guess it would. But it doesn't matter which one it is. He technically is a rookie. He is. He's not a prospect, but he's a rookie. So Shohei Otani is number one on most people's boards. For me, he's number two, which is, I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. But I think Ronald Acuna deserves that much more respect over Otani because of all the tools Acuna has in his, uh, in his hitting arsenal. Okuna started last year in single A, and worked his way up to AAA by the end of the season. That That's actually quite unheard of when you actually look at prospects. It's tough. It's, it is yeah. very tough to go from single A to AAA in one season. 
This this dude dominated, and if he can become the future All Star outfielder for the Braves, that's exact. That is exactly what they need. Yeah, and I mean he's a good defender, which helps his case. I mean from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't matter as much. Exactly. But I mean he put up 21 home runs, 82 RBIs, and a 325 average, 139 games, 44 stolen bases too. He had. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is a, I thing. mean that's that's not terrible. At least he's. 44 stolen bases is unbelievable. 20 caught stealing is not unbelievable. He was caught 20 times. True, true. Okay. So that's in one year. 44 stolen bases is fantastic. His strikeout rate isn't awful either. It's not, it's not bad. It's horrendous. Not it's, about, it's about one a game. He's, he's striking out about once per game. Which isn't, honestly, it's not terrible. He's a young guy. A lot of young guys battle that, you know, plate discipline. It's not that good. Right, he's going to get better. For the most gets, part. You know, as he furthers his career, I think he's going to become a better and better hitter. Exactly. But the fact that he can put up a three twenty five average and still strike out almost once per game is pretty damn good. So, let me ask, all right, so, let me ask you this. Do you draft him this year and stash him in your minor league spot? I think I think he plays this year. I think there's a very, so. Do you think he starts the hate, season? No, because the one thing I hate about MLB is the fact that because they want to be able to to attain them for what six years or seven years, that if they can keep them from the majors until like May, I think it's the middle of May, then they actually get the rights to them for an extra year. Yeah, that's what they did. That's what the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. That's what the Dodgers did with Cody Bellinger. I mean, so, it's smart, but it's just it's it's I think odd. That's what they're gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> so I think that's exactly what's going to happen with him. I think he's probably going unless unless they something changes and they you know they bring someone else up or they sign somebody, um, I think Acuna is probably not going to, not going to play um, until about May, middle of May. Right. I could see them. Yeah. I mean, they are saying he, he is, uh, he could compete for a starting outfield position right now, but I, I do agree with you on that. They do, they do oh, that with a lot of prospects, like a lot of teams, like you said. So right. I think he jumps in and becomes the second best outfielder they have. I mean, I still love Ender and Ciarte. Don't get me wrong, but if he can stay he healthy. In, yeah, I think if he steps in, um, I think he's the best. I think he's one of the best players on that team He could, uh, off of that. He could be one of the best hitters the Braves have right now, like yeah, instantly. Exactly. <laughs> right. And they become – I mean, I don't see them as being a great team, but he makes them better. And so Definitely. I, think, I, think, I think he's being drafted, what, in the 10th round at the moment? Um, don't quote me on that one. I'm going to look that up. But it's, it's, something, to, it's something to look at. Because Acuna is a great player, okay? He's a great prospect, and I think he's going to translate that to the MLB. That being said, are you willing to basically draft an injured player, quote-unquote, that won't be playing until middle of May? True, because of these true. Games? Depends on... You, it, you it, do that. it depends on where you draft them. That's my whole thing. Because I really don't draft, like, prospects too early. Like a couple years ago, before they brought up George Springer, the Astros, I draft I drafted George Springer, but like later, you know what I mean? Like later on, and then once they promoted him, it was like, holy crap! I mean, the guy struck yeah. out if he wasn't hitting a home run. <laughs> right. I mean, that's but Acuna right now is going in the tenth round. That's that is that's high. That is yeah. very high. I mean, to put it in, it could be worth it. Uh, but to put it in perspective. He is going in front of outfielders such as Yasiel Puig. Um, he's going in front of outfielders such as Eddie Rosario. He's going in front of people like DJ LeMayhew, Kyle Seager. No, 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 no. Guys who I, I wouldn't take any of. I wouldn't take him above any of them at this point. Same. So, 
it's it's a total preferential idea, um, but he's not one of the ones where well we're we're drafting him later on to re, to build for the future. You don't have you can't draft him later on. You're drafting him with a top ten pick, which means he's technically going to be a starter for you. Exactly. So, anyway, uh, moving on to another prospect. Our second one is Shohei Otani. Uh, not a prospect, but he is a rookie, and he is a damn good one. The real life Steve Nebraska. If anybody has <laughs> seen the scout out there with Brandon Frazier. <laughs> I I I, I love. I mean, I think this guy he proves he can literally do it all. L- like, yes, in Japan that is second. It's basically right behind, you know, the majors, pretty much. Be cautious with him, though, is what I will say to our listeners out there. Because if you start him at pitcher, and he pitches once, and then he's playing DH for like three games, you can't switch him over. Unless, I mean, depending on your league, I don't know, but the leagues that that I think we're in, he's only going to be allowed to play that one position during that week. So it's right. and there right there are different leagues. So ESPN has him as one player. CBS I believe has him as one player. Uh huh. Yep. So you can choose. Hey, do you want to be a pitcher this week or do you want to be a hitter this week? And then there is Yahoo. So Yahoo is the interesting one. Twice two. You can draft him as a pitcher and you can also draft him as a hitter. That that makes that actually makes more sense. As weird as that is. It does. It's, I can see it if, if you like that, you know. But then again, it also adds more challenge into it, having him as both for one person. Well, it also helps people who do daily change leagues. So for people who can change their lineups on the daily, true, he, true. Is, he is a he is easily a fifth top, you know, fifth round pick. Oh, hands down, if you could change yeah. it, if it's not a weekly league. <laughs> right. If, it, if it's a daily league, he is he is going to go much higher because not only can you start him potentially sometimes twice a week as a pitcher on some weeks, but he also can get him for those times he hits during the week. Exactly. So, to, I mean, it also just make sure you know your league formats, make sure you know how, especially how he's being drafted in those leagues, because he is probably the biggest wild card of any player in any draft this year. Yep. I mean, for the most part, you know where players are going or the area they'll be drafted in, but Shohei Otani is not one of those players. He, I've seen him go in the fourth round. I've seen him go in the ninth round. It just depends on who is willing to take the, that shot on him and how much you know how much he's going to be used. So in Japan, he put up some absolutely absurd numbers. He uh, he went thirty six and thirteen from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen. Three two pretty, three two ERA right pretty overall. Good. Yeah, eleven strikeouts per nine innings. It's ridiculous. Wow. That's that's very good. I mean, that's very very good. Um, Three twenty-two batting average, another thing that does it for me. Uh, twenty-two home runs in one hundred and four games. So if you multiply that by about one point five, is what you know if he played one hundred and sixty. So he's games, hitting over thirty home runs easily. Right. I mean, that's but that's if he's playing a full season as a hitter, which he's not. Um, but that's the thing, though. He has the potential to hit twenty-five home runs. <laughs> and and pitch a hundred. And like yeah. thirty innings. <laughs> I think this, I think I'm gonna say my prediction for him is 130 to 140 innings. Wow, Give I could see it. I could see it. But the Angels are gonna be smart. They're not gonna be stupid. They're gonna be very smart with him because they invested a lot of money in this guy. Yeah. So. I agree. So all right. Well, move on to the next guy who is my favorite, one of my favorite prospects. Who there's a chance he doesn't see the majors this year, and that is Michael Cope. Starting pitcher from the White Sox, who was dealt in the Chris Sale trade to Brown. So he was the centerpiece of that trade. He was a, a star-studded prospect for the Boston Red Sox. And Kid's a stud. He throws unbelievably hard. 
Over, uh, I think the other day he reached 101. Like, he, he threw, like... He's hit, hundo, he's hit 104 before. <sighs> Fire. On average, he's hitting probably, I think it was 96 to 99 right now. But he can get over in the hundreds right. easily. The problem is, is, the first problem with Kopik is that he plays for the White Sox. Okay? It could be a blessing, and it could be a curse. Um, that is, you know, to be seen, because the White Sox are trying to build towards the future. And he is the centerpiece of that. But some of the some of the big pluses of him, even though he went nine and eight um, in 2017, he he boasted a 2.88 ERA and a whopping 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings. So he is putting Dude's up Chris, an Chris Sale type strikeouts, which is kind of ironic. It's, to see for. I, I see this guy. I see this guy getting called up. I don't think he'll start the season in the majors. I see him getting called up a couple months down the road. I mean, who knows with that starting rotation? Yeah, I mean they got they still have a lot of question marks. Yes, they probably you know you got your Ronaldo Lopez, another young stud, actually going to start you know full season, and then what Lucas Giolito? Yeah, who no, could? No. Yeah, but see like none of these guys are they're not really like eh. was the, he was the cream of the crop a few years ago, not anymore. Exactly, and then he left, and then he went to Chicago. I feel more happy from, with from the national. <laughs> Renato Lopez, he hopefully I, I like I like Lopez, but this this Copex dude is he is a he's he's one of a kind, and they they should be very they they should be very smart with him. I agree. So and they will be, I think. So yeah. a few guys will kind of just go through a little bit, you know, a few a little bit quicker, and then we'll get through the the meat of the order of who guys who we might just we'll fire off some names that are definitely ones to look out for. Um, the next big one that we definitely need to talk about is Victor Robles. We mentioned, we mentioned him earlier. Victor Robles is in a perfect ideal situation, except for the fact that Michael Taylor is still there. That's the only unfortunate problem. He is my fa- He's probably my favorite besides Glebar Torres, since I am a Yankees fan. But Robles, I've been watching him for like the past like, oh, oh my God, this dude's he's an animal. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> actually unbelievable. He's a minimal he's a minimal home run to RBI guy. He's gonna put you. He, I would say, I, I mean, he's, I think he's on average about a ten home run to fifty RBI guy. He could. He's a hitter. He's yeah, a he's a natural born hitter. He could put up maybe more. He could, you could see him in that twelve to fourteen range for home runs in that fifty five to sixty RBIs. But for the most part, he is an out good average hitter. He's a three hundred hitter, and he gets on base, and then he steals bases, and that's what you he want did. from him. He that's, doesn't strike out that much either. Right, that's the other thing is he doesn't strike out much, but he is averaging thirty two stolen bases the past two years. Okay, and that's what you're looking Him? for. Could could you imagine that Trey lineup? Turner. Trey Turner, Victor Robles, and then Bryce Harper. Oh my God! So not only in holy two crap, two guys in front of Bryce Harper who get on base, but two guys on in front of Bryce Harper who steal bases as well. So Bryce Harper like, could be looking at second and third with no outs. Two hundred RBIs every <laughs> for Bryce Harper. Every time he's up, I mean, it's 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 going to be an interesting one to watch because he plays a good. He plays a very good center field too. And he's inc- exactly he is an incredible defensive player. So that's to me that's so, one of the more important ones to watch out for because there's a chance he could be called up middle of the eighth. I would stash him. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, he's definite stash. I'm he not, is a definite draft. He he should be drafted in everyone's in everyone's league this year. So depending on where. I don't. I don't know. Victor, I'm looking at it right now. Victor but, Robles is being drafted in the 24th round. 
That's a pretty great value. S- sign me up. That's a pretty great value, <laughs> not only because he could be up by July if all things you know work out for him. He could be up by June and, or July. And I'll wait. Yeah, and he is a great stash guy because if I can get him, even in a 22nd, 23rd round, he is well worth that to me because I can get the latter half of the season potentially for him and then the future. Oh, yeah. So he's a great guy. Last one we'll talk about in decent detail uh, before moving on to the rest is actually who you just mentioned. It's Glabar Torres. Boom. So Glabar Torres is an interesting one because before he got injured, it was a terrible, terrible injury. Tommy John for an infielder on your non-throwing arm? Come on. Then you get it by sliding into... Come on, Glaber. Yeah, I think you got it sliding into... Yeah, something like that. So he was on his way to be called up to the majors very, very soon. And he goes and has Tommy John surgery. Takes him a year to you know, a year to recover, and he is now on the Yankees radar as a infielder. I'm not going to say what position he's going to play just yet. He can uh, play all of them. But I'm looking at I'm going to say second base or third base, depending on how they want to use Brennan Drury. Um, well, they got rid of true. What's his name? Chase, uh, Chase Headley. So, I mean, it, it depends on how they want to use them. But I see I see him more in that um, that second base role personally. I think I, I think it would be wiser to put him at second base because Jury has more experience at third base. You know, it's I mean, but if, if if Glabar needs to play third, they'll yeah, definitely they'll he's definitely coming put him back at third. An injury that uh, to his throwing arm, so I'd rather ease him into second base and then go from there, maybe. True, and that's the good thing about Glabar though that they were doing with him is they were putting him at shortstop, second base, third base. You know, just in case. Because with this with this talent, you you can't you can't have him sitting. Like right. you can't not know where he's going to go, and that's I think the versatility is just incredible. And um, so he's not a home run guy, um, but he is a decent RBI guy, which is you know it's pretty awesome. It's like a um, like an Addison Russell early on to me. It's a guy who who can he doesn't he doesn't put up a ton of home runs, but he has the possibility of driving a lot of RBIs. So yeah. I, I like players like that, and he's also averaged what twenty plus stolen bases in fifteen and sixteen before his injury. Worthwhile to take a look at. Um, I mean, is he plays for the Yankees, so <laughs> he will he will get called up. I don't think he's going to start the season in the majors. I think they call him up at some point just because the Yankees do have so many more weapons that they picked up in the offseason, like Brandon Jury or. What Danny Espinosa, right. who's been playing incredible, you know, in the spring right now. So, all these utility guys that I think Labar, they give him maybe a month, month and a half, see how he does in the mate in the minors, and then then the fireworks start the fireworks, bring him up. Yeah, he's he's going in twenty first, twenty second round at the moment. So a little yep. bit higher than Victor Robles because they're expecting him to come to the MLB like exactly than exactly. Robles. But both RBI guys and I mean both. Um, Stolen base guys and both average guys. So both ones you can keep on your horizon. Yep. So let's just pump out some names. To be on the lookout. Uh, throw them out there. Let's yeah, go. We'll throw some guys. We'll just throw them out there. Some some of my favorites. Um, both are from Cincinnati, and that's Nick Senzel, who is going to play third base for Cincinnati. And it's you just, think so? I do. I, I don't think this year. I'm going to say the latter part of the year into 2019. Um, even with even with them just signing Suarez to an extension, I don't care. Yeah, I think I think that Nick Senzel is a very very good player, and I think since he is trying to get younger, they're trying to get better. And I like Suarez, but I like Senzel better. And the other one is Jesse Winker. Where they can find a place for him, I'm not really sure at the moment because that outfield is a little bit all over the place, especially with Je- Duval yep. and Shebler. But yep. I think and Billy Hamilton. But if they can work him into that rotation, I think going forward he's going to have a good year. 
I think they trade someone. I think I think, I think, I think Duval. I think Duval is done, is gone by the season. Billy Hamilton, you're not trading Billy Hamilton because the guy gets 90 stolen bases a yeah, season. He's Exactly. He's not a great, but it doesn't matter. That's with with that speed, you really can't get rid of that. And so, then Shebler had an incredible year last year. You're not going to get rid did. of him. Well, you, well, it doesn't matter. If either I would say, all right, either Duval or Shebler, and then Winker comes up and he dominates because he actually had a very good. When he played in the majors last year, he actually did he actually Pretty did well. quite well. Yeah. So some other guys throw some names out there who I like. Chance Cisco, the catcher from uh, Baltimore. Team, another team trying to get younger, trying to get better, and I think he helps them do that. Um, Willie Adams. The, Cis- the Cisco my, kid. Willie Adams is one of my <laughs> absolute favorites. Um, so I think he makes an impact, not just yet. But Willie Adams out in Tampa Bay is going to be a damn good infielder. He does ev- tr- He does everything. They si- well, that's it's very interesting too because I, I they signed Hecavaria in the off season. Hecavaria, Hecavaria, whatever the hell you want to call him. Oh, he's awesome. So so that's so that's what makes it more interesting. They signed him to a six million dollar deal, I believe, and you got Willie Adams in the in the minors. So it's it just it's just interesting to see. But Willie Adams is such a awesome talent that you can't you got to find a spot for him. Oh, absolutely, and it's, that works the same way with some of the, the pit, yeah. some of the outfielders that I think have the potential to be good, um, but I have to give them time to grow and time to you know work on their craft. And that is Dustin Fowler, who was traded to Oakland from the Yankees for Sonny yep. Gray. Uh, it's Austin Meadows in Pittsburgh. It's Austin Hayes in Baltimore. So some guys who I think have the ability to be good players, but I want to see them take that next step first before I exactly capital them. And one of my favorites, too, I will, um, actually, I do have two favorites that I would like to really just touch on, and you mentioned him, Eloy Jimenez from the White Sox. I actually did a lot of, I did some research on him. They are saying that he is, he compared to the best hitter in Chicago since the Big Hurt, Frank Thomas. Wow. Which is a bold statement. I mean, this dude, this, he can, this guy can hit. He... If he can come up, I mean, he batted what? He 312, 19 home runs, 65 RBIs, and only 369 at bats. His strikeout rate—it's not awful, 72 strikeouts in that. But if they can bring him up and pair him with Jose Abreu, holy crap! That one-two punch could be monst- monstrous. But to compare him to Frank Thomas—that is—that—that's very, very bold. And another guy who I really, really love, and I, I mean, I see him being, I, I hope they bring him up and he actually does start for the Cleveland Indians, uh, Francisco Mejia. Yeah, another good guy. I am a big, big fan of Mejia. Now, I've been reading that they're, if they bring him up, they're just going to put him at DH because of his hitting ability, but he's a, he's a good catcher. Yeah, I see him as a Carlos Santana kind of guy. First base catcher, DH, can can do basically anything you need him to. And he's going to be, and he is catcher eligible. So if if you can get him and put him at your catcher, even if he doesn't play the full seat, like let's say he doesn't play, you know what I mean? He comes up a little later on. He has the talent to finish still within the top 15, maybe top 10 for a very shallow position. Mm-hmm. No, so I he is my this that is that is my top top young guy this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, some of the pitchers that I that I think are worthwhile mentioning, but pitchers it takes them a little bit while a little bit of a more of a time to step into a major league role and make an impact. 
Um, some mm-hmm. of the ones who could do it from off the bat are players like Luke Weaver, who's really not a prospect, but he is more of a good pitcher for the Cardinals, very young, you know, good young pitcher. Oh, um, yeah. Luis Gohara in for the Atlanta Braves. For the Braves, um, yep. Jack Flaherty, another pitcher for the, you know, for the Cardinals. They have a lot of young pitchers. <laughs> He could start this year. I think he he's, will, He's too. battling. He's sixth right now is what I read, the last last article I read. Yeah, and there's another Cardinals pitcher who I think is, to me, makes the most sense to be the closer for the Cardinals for their future, and that is Alex Reyes. He throws hard. He Kid's throws, a stud. He is a stud. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that he's going to evolve into that role. I think he wants to be a starter, but if he can be the closer for the Cardinals, I think they'd be very rest Ooh. assured knowing that he is their closer. Because they don't really have, I mean, Sejuan O, he Ugh, stunk. Sejuan. Trevor Rosenthal, he gone, he gone. had his prime, you yeah. know. So it's just like, but I, I do agree with that. But Alex Reyes, even if he is a starter for whatever, he could he could be their ace. He's that good. Yeah. Um, and then the last two guys I'll throw out there that are just one of them's an awful situation. You're going to draft him with your last pick in this draft. It's Brent Honeywell. Brent Honeywell had all the capabilities of being a stud at the next level for Tampa oh. Bay. You know, he just, oh, the ulnar, all that ulnar muscle. Uh, has Two Tommy words. John surgery. Tommy John. Yeah, has Tommy John <laughs> surgery. He'll be back and better than ever next year. And then one of my sleeper ones is he has the potential to be a number five pitcher for the Dodgers this year. And if not, it'll be at the end of the year. And it's Walker Bueller. Um, I think he. Bueller. Has, he has some, yeah, Bueller. Bueller. He, <laughs> yeah, he has some good stuff, and uh, I think that if you know, as a later round pick in your draft, I think he is worthy of a stash um, for a team that puts up a ton of runs and could potentially help their pitchers. And the thing, the thing about though that I actually was looking up on Walker is one, when he was actually in the majors last year, he was I think his ERA was over a seven. It was not. He got, it was he got lit up. Yeah, he did. He does. He does possess a lot of good stuff, but. They're also saying they don't know where they want to throw him, you know, in a reliever position or have him be a starter. So it's yeah, he's definitely he he's definitely a wait and see kind of guy. But I do agree with you that he does possess the intangibles to actually become like even if he is their fifth starter, mm. like that's that, not a bad place to be. That's not a bad exactly. And like you said, with with mm-hmm. all of that freaking run support, it's just yeah, especially when you have someone like Rich Hill as your number two. Um, or number three, technically, with Alex Wood at the two now. Um, True. I think, you know, with Rich Hill, who is so injury-prone, I mean, Walker could walk right into that. Exactly. Into uh-huh. Number five, yeah, I know. Nice. Could walk right I, into that number I, five. I, I see what you did there. Okay. I see that. Good play on nice. words. Wow, nice. we just covered a ton of content um, in a short period of time. A lot of young prospects, a lot of, you know, ideas on how to use a taxi squad, on how to use your last few picks on... Uh, in a keeper league on drafting those those young guys who might be ready at the end of 2018, might be ready in 2019, and that could potentially benefit you in the upcoming year. Uh, our next episode will focus on values and reaches, what the difference is and why that matters. So on behalf of me and my wonderful cousin, this is the Fantasy Fam signing off. Mm-hmm.